I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today we've got a crazy story of revenge causing somebody to drop out of med school. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I got the head chef fired. This was not just revenge for me. It taught me a valuable life lesson. I must always stand up to my bullies. In my early years, I was the target of bullies everywhere. From elementary school to high school, I was bullied, even by teachers. My parents were sweet Christians who did not like to make trouble. If someone slapped me, the right response was to turn the other cheek. They never went to school with me to raise heck for a student bullying me. They just warned me to avoid bullies and stay out of their way. I wonder if that was because they had very little money and did not want to be intimidated by the parents of the other kids in the school I attended. They were also not educated, so they often stayed away from formal school events and parent-teacher meetings. At some point, I got tired of reporting my teachers and other students to my parents and just gave up. I let people bully me for so long that it became a norm for me. People crossed me because they knew they could do that and get away with it. After school, I moved to the city where I went to a small culinary school. Even though I was the brightest student in my class and we were all adults, I was bullied by some of my classmates. It made no sense to me. I thought that since we were all grown and no longer in high school, I wouldn't have to deal with bullies anymore. I spoke to my family's priest and he smiled and told me that bullies were everywhere. He advised me to always report bullies to higher authorities and not let them get away with bullying me. I took his advice and the week after, I reported one of the guys who bullied me to the school's administrator. He was expelled immediately because the school had a low tolerance for bullying, and my reporting him was the last straw, and two other people had reported him. Sadly, the world works in favor of bullies. My bully was also the class jester, so everyone hated me for having him expelled. I was ostracized and bullied even more. People knew me as the snitch and stayed away from me. They never included me in any of the fun activities. That helped because I was able to focus squarely on studying and practicals and graduated as the best student in my class that year. After graduating from culinary school, I moved back to my parents' house. It was hard for me to be around them and not earn at all. My parents had me later in their lives, so they were old. And the fact that they still had to work made me very uncomfortable. I tried to get a job in several restaurants in the city, but I was either overqualified or there were no vacancies. The food industry in my country was highly saturated. People were hardly looking to hire more chefs. Still dealing with the misery of my unemployment, my dad got ill and passed a month after. It was a sad time for my family. My mom had her sister move in with us with her two children just so she wouldn't be alone. I still didn't have a job, but I was determined to get one. I moved to the city for a while and did private catering, but just like with restaurants, it was saturated too. The demand for private caterers was very low, and most people already had their preferred chefs. Since food is a very private and personal thing, not many people were ready to try new chefs. I knew deep down that if I wanted to break even in the food business and achieve my dream of owning my own restaurant, I would have to move out of my country. I wanted to, but I kept thinking of my mom. 
I was her only child and she had just been widowed. I worried about what my absence would do to her. One day I spoke to the aunt who lived with us about my dilemma and she encouraged me to do what I had to do. That same day, I told my mom that I was considering leaving the country and she had a fit. She didn't even listen to me. I had to leave the house because she was very upset. My aunt managed to convince her eventually, but before then, I had applied for a visa already and was communicating with a pen pal I'd made over here many years before that. When my mom gave her blessing, I was only just waiting for my visa approval. As soon as it was approved, she gave me some money. I got some money from a former teacher for my plane ticket, and I traveled. My pen pal was kind enough to let me stay in his guest room, and I lived with him for two months while working two different jobs as a waiter. He lived in the countryside, so it was a lot more difficult for me to get a decent job in the kitchen. There were hardly any restaurants that served intercontinental dishes since there was hardly a demand for them. I saved all through the two months till I could move to the city. When I moved to the city, I found a small apartment I could share with a young lady who was a waitress and also an aspiring actress. She told me about an opening for a waiter where she worked, and I applied. It was a big hotel in the center of the city. They were known for their great meals, meals that catered to people across different continents. The hostel was so huge and beautiful, I'd never seen anything that modern and gorgeous in my home country. As soon as I walked into the hotel's restaurant, I knew that I didn't just want to wait tables there, I wanted to cook in it. I kept looking around, taking in the beauty of the restaurant, the cultural decor, and the different sections made for the different kinds of meals. It was simply amazing. I'm a born chef, and nothing gave me more joy than looking at kitchens. I love to look at kitchens and pass my judgment on them. That day, I wandered into the hotel's kitchen and was spotted by a small man in a huge chef's hat and an oversized coat. What are you doing here? He asked, glaring at me. I'm sorry, I apologized, looking over at him and into the kitchen. I just couldn't help myself. No unauthorized entry, he barked at me. I'm sorry, I apologized again. I'm here for the waiter's interview. He pointed in a direction without looking up at me. I thanked him profusely and walked in the direction he pointed at. My interview went well and I was hired immediately. The hotel was holding a huge conference where different people from different parts of the world would be in attendance and they needed many hands. I worked in the hotel's restaurant for months, patiently waiting for when there would be an opening in the kitchen so I could apply. While I was waiting for an opening and waiting tables, the head chef resigned. He'd been struggling with bad health and his children wanted him to retire. He stubbornly refused to do that for a while but soon gave in when his health deteriorated as time passed. The hotel tried all it could to retain him, but he wouldn't stay. One of the sous chefs was promoted and became the head. He was the small man I met in the kitchen the first day I was at the hotel's restaurant. I knew from his accent that he was from my home country. I also knew that he could tell from my accent too, but he never tried to speak to me or establish any kind of personal relationship. He barely even acknowledged me. One day, one of the guys at work had his birthday and since it was a busy day and night, we were all at work. After we were done catering to the guests that night, the restaurant's manager suggested someone cook something to celebrate the birthday guy. The chefs had been working all day and were tired, so I offered to cook something. The guys at work didn't even know I could cook. The only person who knew I cooked was my roommate, and since she hardly ever socialized at work since she was busy featuring in every movie as an extra, she probably never got to tell anyone at work that I cooked. 
That night, I made the best pasta any one of them had ever eaten. They said that themselves. The accolades I had received from friends were overwhelming, even from the manager, who encouraged me to apply for the position of sous chef. It's my birthday, but everyone loves you, the birthday guy joked. I don't hate you for that, as long as you can cook me that tasty pasta sometime in the future. I smiled and promised to do that in the future. I also told my manager that I'd put in the application for the position of sous chef. Everyone was smiling and having a good time, except for my countryman, the head chef. He looked very disturbed. As part of the test for the position, I had to cook two full course meals, which the restaurant's manager, the other sous chef, and the head chef will supervise and get a taste of. All through my cooking, the head chef made me very uncomfortable. He yelled, scoffed, and sometimes even laughed at my process. It was so obvious that he was trying to sabotage my efforts. Luckily, the other chefs ignored me and judged me well. The manager was impressed too, and the week after that, I resumed my job as a sous chef in the restaurant. My roommate got a better job and moved out of our tiny apartment, but my salary was increased and I was able to afford to live on my own. I converted her bedroom into a guest room. Life was good, except for when I was at work with the head chef. He made working unbearable for me. Cooking is what I love doing the most, but it became strenuous doing it around him. I could never do anything right, he criticized anything I did, and badmouthed me to the other chefs. When I told the community of guys from my country, they all shared their experience of how sometimes people from our country see one another as threats of sorts. Before then, I had just thought the head chef was just being unnecessarily difficult because I was new. I noticed he never treated the other chefs like that. If anything, he went out of his way to be kind and nice to them. I continued to tolerate his difficult behavior until one day, I was in the middle of cooking when I realized I needed to pee. I kept holding it in until I couldn't anymore. I rushed out to the restroom, did my business, and hurried back. When I returned to the kitchen, I saw that the head chef was overseeing the pot of pasta I was working on. He was with the restaurant's manager and he was yelling. As I walked up to them, they both regarded me with anger. What chef abandons his cooking pot and leaves for the bathroom, my manager asked in irritation. Before I could say anything, my boss started to yell at me. He told the manager that it was characteristic of me to disappear from the kitchen whilst cooking. Not only was that a lie, but it was also a very malicious lie. I had never abandoned my food while cooking before that. Never! The manager invited me to his office later and threatened to let me go if I kept up with that attitude. I was too tired to even deny it or defend myself, and I suspected that the head chef knew I'd be too timid to defend myself. I took a day off work to process all that was happening at work. I needed to decide if I wanted to quit or continue to work under a boss that hated me. I thought quitting would not be a good idea. I had worked very hard to get there, and I didn't want to go to another restaurant and start all over. I also loved the restaurant at the hotel. The kitchen was incredibly comfortable to work in, and the pay was good. I decided that rather than quit, I would bring what I thought was the head chef's fear to reality. I would take his job. I resumed work with a renewed determination to bring him down. I was going to oversalt his meals regularly, but there were cameras all over the kitchen and I couldn't do that. The opportunity came later when the hotel's manager wanted to host some of the hotel's business partners to a Sunday dinner at his home. The head chef was to cook them dinner that evening. 
and since most people didn't want the extra work, I took up the job to wait on them. The evening of that Sunday, I went over to the hotel manager's home. The head chef was already there with the food items. He frowned as soon as he saw me. He wasn't expecting me but one of the waiters to show up, but I'd offered to take up the shift for the waiter. We went about working in the manager's kitchen. The restaurant's manager walked in to tell us that the hotel's manager had assured his guests that the head chef was fantastic and he reminded him to make the manager proud. That made me even happier since it would only make what I was about to do more devastating for the head chef. As is our signatory meal, the head chef chose to prepare a special kind of pasta. He gave me a small number of peppers to chop, but I added more and saved it for when he would be done cooking. I waited patiently for when the manager would call him and emptied the pepper into the boiling pot of pasta. When he went in to see the guests and talk about what he would be serving, I emptied a small container of pepper into the pasta. As expected, most of the guests could not eat their meal because it was too spicy and the ones who dared were drenched in sweat. It was very embarrassing for the hotel manager, who naturally told the restaurant's manager. The head chef was severely embarrassed. The restaurant's manager was very disappointed, and he antagonized the head chef for a very long time. His food lost credibility for what had happened, and it was difficult to recover from that kind of mistake. He eventually had to quit his job. Just like that, my bully disappeared. Now I no longer just avoid bullies. I go out of my way to destroy them. Now Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm not saying if you have a bully in your workplace that you need to go out of your way to sabotage their career, but I would say that if you are a bully to somebody, you can't be too surprised if the person you're acting rudely to and bullying is silently planning something to happen when your back's turned. Like surely as soon as OP walked into this place instead of a waiter, they knew there was a possibility of something happening, and it's almost certainly because they knew they earned it. Our next story is, I caused my boyfriend to drop out of med school. In all my 23 years on earth, my mom had tried her best to shield me from the fangs of young guys and men. As her only daughter, she tried to protect me from going through what she went through as a young woman. When my mom was 24, she got dumped by her boyfriend after she informed him she was pregnant with their child. He felt he was too young to be a father, so he disappeared from her life. My mom, wanting to shield me from that kind of pain, made sure that I attended a girls-only high school. 
After graduating, she had no choice than to let me go to a public school and mix with all sorts of people. In my first year on campus, I lived a relatively boring and sad life. My classmates called me a nerd because whenever I'm not in the classroom, I was either in the library or back in my hostel. I'm actively avoiding men. I focused all my attention on my studies, and it was no surprise, I was the best student in my class after the first academic year. In my second year on campus, I met a friend, Sandra. Sandra was everything I wasn't. She was outspoken, easygoing, and the men's favorite. She was always involved in social activities, and gradually I began to covet her lifestyle. I felt bad for myself, so I decided to follow Sandra to a birthday dinner. It was there I met Frederick, a fourth-year student of medicine and surgery in my university. We immediately started talking, and I realized that I thoroughly enjoy talking to him because we share the same opinion on a lot of concepts and ideologies. We argued a bit when the discussion tilted towards feminism. We argued, laughed, and agreed, then we laughed again. That night ended with me smiling to myself as I went back to my hostel. It was love at first sight. As we didn't remember to exchange contacts, it was two weeks later I met him in the parking lot of my course mate's building. Our eyes met and I felt a kind of electrifying shock run through my body. He called my name and I knew at that spot that I'd been hooked. He asked me out on a date and I agreed. Our first date was everything beautiful. He took me to a very fancy and cozy restaurant. When we entered, we were directed to a secluded corner with beautiful candles on the table. The atmosphere made me fall more. I love me a thoughtful and romantic man. We ate to our fill, had small talk in between meals and danced after. When we were about to part ways, he dropped a light kiss on my forehead. It felt like I was floating on fluffy clouds and I ended up dreaming about us getting married. The next day, Frederick asked me to be his girlfriend while we were chatting on WhatsApp. Without giving it a second thought, I agreed immediately. So we started dating and two weeks later, I went to his place for a sleepover. Before the weekend ended, we were already making plans of how we'll spend the rest of our lives together. Weeks rolled into months and the love we had for each other had increased tremendously. He was my go-to person for everything. Whenever I had a problem with my academics, I always told him and he helped in the best way he could. He was also my gist partner. We gossip about everything and nothing. During my 22nd birthday, he made me feel like the most loved person on earth. He stayed awake till midnight to be the first to wish me a happy birthday. He sang a lovely birthday song to me. And during the day, he threw a surprise party for me. He gifted me my first iPhone on my birthday. And on his birthday, I gifted him a laptop. I learned to be vulnerable with him. He knew about my weak points and areas I consider too ugly for the public. He accepted me with all my flaws and I accepted him too, just the way he was. Ours was a match made in heaven. His neighbors referred to me as their wife. We went out often and we usually came back to his place to enjoy the rest of the night together. It was blissful while it lasted. One year into the relationship, when I was in my penultimate year at the university, he encouraged me to move in with him majorly to save cost and also for us to be together more often. I gladly obliged and moved in with him when my house rent expired. Six months after moving in with my boyfriend, I fell seriously sick. My boyfriend took me to a private clinic and it was then disclosed to us that I was pregnant. We were short of words. Never in our wildest imaginations did we harbor the thought of nursing a baby this soon. When we got home, my boyfriend suggested that I go for an evacuation. I initially refused, but he was adamant. 
He didn't want the presence of a baby in our lives to ruin what we had together. So the day after, he took me to a clinic where it was removed. After the operation, my boyfriend nursed me like a baby. He made my recovery process easy. Just like every other relationship, we had our very rough moments. Sometimes we fought and argued, but we still found a way of settling it and getting back together. Until the day I found out that my first boyfriend, who claimed he loved me dearly, is a serial cheat. In my final year, part of our graduation requirement was for us to embark on a field trip. The trip was to last for five days. I informed my boyfriend about it, and I started preparing in earnest for it. On the D-Day, two hours before the train we were supposed to take arrived, I remembered that I left my favorite pair of sneakers at home. I then rushed home to pick it up. On getting home, I met two pairs of slippers on the doormat as opposed to the single pair I saw when leaving the house in the morning. I knew my boyfriend invited a visitor immediately after I left. I was curious to know who the person was. Instead of knocking, I decided to peep through the window. What I saw next left me dumbstruck. I was mad with anger. I saw stars. It felt like my soul had exited my body. What I saw was too bad to be true. I felt betrayed, hurt, and sick at the same time. The pain I felt at that moment was deeper than any pain I've ever felt before. Not even when my favorite uncle died was I this hurt. I died a thousand deaths. I caught my boyfriend sleeping with Sandra. I decided not to make a scene, but do something that'll make him feel as hurt and betrayed as he made me feel. I left them for my field trip. On the journey, I was thinking of a thousand and one things to do to make him regret ever meeting me. I got back from the field trip and continued to act like nothing changed. I behaved like the very good girlfriend I was, but I didn't allow him to touch me again. Thrice, I had made up excuses to leave the house for two to three days just to catch him in his philandering act. My boyfriend was sleeping with everything in a skirt. I felt disgusted and filled with much hatred for him. I was waiting patiently for the best time to strike. A week after my trip, Sandra had the guts to ask me why I stopped talking to her. I told her, cause you're a hoe, witch. Angrily, she slapped me. Then I pulled off her wig, grabbed her by the neck, and warned her severely not to ever touch me again. She tried to wave my hands off of her, but I held on tightly and gave her a resounding slap. My course mates around opened their mouths in amazement. They'd never seen me in that form before. After the activities of that day, I went straight to the management of Sandra's private hostel. I reported to them that she was harboring a squatter in her room, which was against the codes and conducts of the hall. They went to ascertain the truth of my claim, and she was caught red-handed. At that moment, she was summoned to their conference room, and the manager made an announcement that left Sandra in tears. She said, having found that you, Sandra Johnson, have violated the codes and conducts governing the proper functioning of Queen Elizabeth II's hall, you are hereby ejected from the hall with immediate effect. Failure to pack out immediately will attract a fine. She felt really sad because she recently renewed her rent and it was over $1,500 of her hard-earned money. When she was crying at the entrance of the conference hall, I passed her front and let out a loud laugh. She was shocked to see me. She knew I was the one that betrayed her. Before she could accuse me, I told her that this is what you get for sleeping with your best friend's boyfriend. That incident made Sandra avoid me like a plague. My boyfriend grew more restless and agitated by the day. 
He knew I was angry with him because I'd refused to let him touch me. He had begged to hook up more times than I could count, but I always turned him down even though we slept in the same house. His constant plea made me more angry so I stopped cooking for him. I made food for only myself and I cleaned only my part of the bedroom. I stopped helping him wash his clothes and doing his dirty dishes. I was prepared for war. So one day he told me he was going out for a drink. At that point I knew I had driven him past his endurance limit. My boyfriend hardly drinks because whenever he gets drunk, he loses control and behaves like a savage. I then decided that that night was the perfect time to strike. I was ready to get the beastly part of him out that night and show to the whole world the animal of the man that he is. Six hours later, his high-pitched, out-of-tune song he was humming announced his arrival. My boyfriend was stone drunk and high. He was singing Rihanna's Man Down when he entered the bedroom. I'd already positioned my phone in a strategic location to video whatever was going to happen that night. He was trying to unbuckle his belt when he realized I was in the room. With his slurry voice, he asked that I come help him unbuckle his belt. I ignored his request. He repeated it a second time and I ignored him again. This time he was already getting angry. The next time he made the request was with a high and aggressive tone. He said, come get my belt unbuckled, ho. I was mad with rage. I stood up angrily and I went close to him and shouted, First of all, you don't get to call me that, and you should get yourself out of your darn pants. As I tried to leave, he held my hands and dragged me back to where he was standing. I felt caged and tried to release my hands, but he merely tightened his grip on me. He tried to push me down to his groin level, but I refused to go down willingly, so he forced me down. The exertion of his muscles and his very tight grip made me yell in pain. I was down in seconds, but instead of unbuckling his belt, I steeled my hand and gave him a very painful blow on his groin with my elbow. He cried in pain and while he was trying to recover, I rushed for the door. Feeling angry and dehumanized, I decided to use the recording I made of us that night. I edited the video to hide my face in it. I took his phone while he was asleep and sent the video to his class group. That same night, I wrote to the women rights and gender equality organization of his medical school complaining of what their one student did to me and I also sent them the video. The next day, after having recovered from his hangover, my boyfriend apologized profusely for manhandling and abusing me. I didn't budge because I knew I'd screwed his life. He was summoned by the student's disciplinary committee that very day. When he got to school, his course mates booed him, no one wanted to be associated with him, he was ostracized by his own friends. When he got to the SDC building, he was hit by the allegations I leveled against him, and it was hard to defend himself after seeing the video evidence I sent to the appropriate authority. After much deliberation, the members of the SDC gave their verdict. Frederick, from that moment, was expelled from medical school on the grounds of forcefully having carnal knowledge of his victim. He was dropped from medical school in his final year with zero connection to his name. Well, I'm just glad that this is one of those situations where when a guy is that bad and gets reported, there's actually repercussions. I can't tell you how many news stories I've heard of star college football players who do absolutely heinous acts and end up getting away scot-free. All these quotes start coming out about these people saying, oh, they're such good people, oh, they've always been such good kids. Or they say really dumb stuff about like how their future shouldn't be messed up because of one mistake. It's good something was legitimately done here. 
But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.